We've been looking every week at a focus of where Jesus is in Scripture. In the book of John, Jesus says, the Scriptures point to me. Like the Pharisees were trying to discover all kinds of arrogant, prideful conclusions out of their study for Scripture, but Jesus is saying, you're missing the point if you're not discovering the Christ in every book of Scripture. And so we found Jesus in Genesis, Jesus in Exodus, and we're, we're understanding there are actually thematic expressions in uh, these groups of books as we progress along, and right now we're in uh, the Jesus in Esther. And I just want to ask you, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Deborah. And the book of Deborah is kind of like the book of Hezekiah. It sounds like it should be a book of the Bible, but it's actually not. And um, last week in first service, I was just going on and on about uh, the book of Deborah. So just because your pastor preaches it doesn't make it true. Make sure you're studying the Bible for yourself. This is the book of Esther, okay? And in this progression of these few books clustered together, we've, come, we've really come to the resolve. This is a theme of restoration. It's an amazing theme revealed in Scripture in a unique way. We've seen Jesus in Ezra, Jesus in Nehemiah, and now today Jesus in Esther, all about restoring what God was desiring to have in place that had been taken away. So Esther, you know, where is Jesus in the book of Esther? And, and I'm not going to take the time to go into all the types and shadows that I would normally, um, but you can hit the website, destinychristian.com, and, and see the blog, and I break this down a lot more intricately and intimately than what I'm going to be able to in our time here together. But my goal here is to empower you to be great students of Scripture. I don't want you to come to church and fall in love with speakers. I want you to come to church and fall in love with the Savior. I want you to have your own relationship with the Lord, your own relationship with God's Word. And our objective and our goal as a teaching team, as an eldership, as a church family, is that we would in inspire and empower the body of Christ to rise up and be who God's called the body of Christ to be. That's a really important element in the day that we live in where many times there's an attractional uh, perspective that's become totally the focus. But you need to be the people God's called you to be, God's called you to be as Christians, just as I need to be the man God's called me to be as a Christian. Then beyond being Christians, we discover other elements of our lives. But how many of you know at the core, we just need to love Jesus? That's what every one of us need to do. It'll make better fathers, better husbands, better mothers, better wives. It'll just make better workers, make better citizens, better military officials, leaders, servants, public servants. It'll make better people in the community in general if we can get this right and follow the example of loving Jesus. Uh, yesterday, uh, by the way, Haley and Sean were wed, and a few of you I know made it to that, so we congratulate Haley and Sean. And as is our Destiny family custom, we'll have the groom kiss the bride right here in front of all of us uh, next week, and we'll even tell them to use both lips. And so it'll be a great Sunday morning for them as we celebrate them. They're on their honeymoon now. Uh, but you know, the thing that I, as I was doing that ceremony, I, I made the statement if we follow the example of Christ, then our love becomes pure. And if you're trying to find somebody who will make you happy, you're actually not loving them, you're using them. And there's an element here that I think is really important for us to understand that when we follow the heart of God and we experience the love of Christ, it positions us to begin to have a different perspective about the way we live, love, serve, and give. And we see this in the heart of Esther, and we see such an amazing type of Christ and who she is and Mordecai and some of the other individuals listed in this uh, historical archive of something so fantastic. But I do just want to point out this one type with Esther, like Jesus, um, 
She was an advocate to common humanity. How many of you are glad Jesus loves common humanity, okay? You don't have to put on airs and pretend to be something you're not. You just relax and be you, and he loves you just the way you are. Uh, we're, we're actually valuable because of his love. He doesn't love us because we're so lovable. How many of you are not lovable from time to time? Can I just see? Uh, he doesn't love us because we're so lovable. He loves us because he's so loving. And he reached into commonplace humanity with his love and then became an advocate for us in his relationship with God. And, and Esther is that. She identified with Mordecai as Mordecai shared, there's this problem here, you know, we're, we're, we're facing the potential extermination of our people, um, and so we need you to be an advocate to the king. So here she was between common humanity and royalty, just as Jesus. And so it's a great type of Christ, and we see this, and there's several of these. But let's go right into Esther chapter 2, verse 7. And I want to point out a very profound truth about Esther, Deborah's niece. She's not really. I'm just kidding. Deborah's nothing to do with this, okay? <laughs> Don't be confused. <clears throat> Esther chapter 2, verse 7. <laughs> Mordecai had taken Esther as his own daughter when, uh, when her father and her mother died. Now again, I'm wanting to try and empower you to understand the context of Scripture. We've looked at the history of what had taken place. Babylon had conquered God's people and the, you know, the temple, the city was in ruins. And here is a, a little girl. We don't really know her age when, her, when she lost her parents, but this is a little girl who lost her parents and was taken in by a family member Mordecai, who became a father to the fatherless, which is also as a type of Christ. And so we see this taking place, and it's really unique. And, and, and when we think about what it must have been like for, for, for Esther, now I'm almost saying it wrong, uh, for Esther, uh, when we see how difficult that must have been, yet at the same time in the midst of all the pain of her life, how many of you know God purposed out of that pain something amazing would happen and an entire nation would be transformed? It's powerful. So I think all of us can agree, and even James during worship was alluding to and speaking a little bit of this as we're pressing into God this morning, and I feel he was really on, on point with what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do in the room. But life can be hard. There can be difficult bumps in the road. Life can be hard. And I think it's really important for us today as Christians, as followers of Christ, that we make it a point that when life gets hard, we're not going to turn away from God, but we're going to turn to God. There are some people that when life gets difficult, they turn away from God. And, and just in all honesty, it doesn't make a lot of sense. If it gets so dark that you can no longer see in the circumstances of your life, letting go of the hand of God is the last thing you want to do. Take a new grip with your tired hands and let's move forward in everything God's called us to, no matter what the circumstances may be that have come our way. Come on, let's honor him today and embrace the heart of God from a brand new strength. Zig Ziglar made this statement, life is a grindstone, whether it wears you down or polishes you up, depends upon what you are made of. It's a great statement. It's a great reality. And so here, as we're looking in the book of Esther, we see, and this is your first blank if you write this in on the card, uh, the book of Esther is about how an orphan saved a nation. An orphan saved a nation. God used an orphan to save a nation. What hope, what inspiration, and what encouragement? An orphan. And who would, who would expect an orphan to be used by God for such noble causes? And here's the thing all of us need to understand. Your circumstance, have you had some tough circumstances in your life? Can I just say, gone through some stuff, right? 
Like nobody knows what you've walked through. Nobody knows the loss you've suffered. Nobody knows the pain. Nobody knows the quiet hour where your tears were coming down your cheeks, but God knows. And this is what I just want to encourage you with today. Your circumstances never determine where you can go. Your circumstances never, de- your history, your past, your circumstances never determine where you can go. They merely determine where to begin. The situation that you're in right now, I I don't know how, but somehow all of our experiences in life perfectly culminate to express and become the dreams God has purposed for our life. Your circumstances have nothing to do, nothing to do with what God can do through your life, yet somehow He culminates and draws them in into everything as an expression, a wonderful trophy for His wonderful grace. So let's just rehearse the phrase one more time. Your circumstances never determine where you can go. They only or merely determine where to begin. Esther shows us this, how God's at work even in the midst of her pain. And I I thought about uh, a phrase that we uh, embraced here years ago, just a few years ago actually. Uh, We were in the process of building the building and in the midst of all of it, the tornado came through the city of Moore and a lot transpired in this room. And I want to say again, thank you to everybody who worked so hard. In fact, we've got a picture of what the room looked like when the city of Moore designated us as the warehouse uh, for uh, relief efforts. And suddenly we began manning this place before we were finishing it out. We just put all that on hold. And millions of dollars of aid and relief came through this facility. And the church family here was working. We had the car packages that were care packages loaded in the cars going out to the field and so on. And in that whole process, we did training and we did equipping and kind of helped everybody understand how do we bring focus and attention in a way that that we need to. There's a phrase that we focused on. And it's a really important phrase and it, it really is relevant to us today. And it was simply, we wanted, when we're ministering to people in that desperate time, in those devastated moments of their lives, we wanted to focus on what was left, not on what was lost. Do you remember that? It was a great statement. And we started talking about, when you're talking to people, try to bring focus and attention on what is left, not on what is lost. Because I've learned this, how about you? When there's a circumstance that comes in my life, what's lost doesn't help me. What's left is what God works with. God never works with what we don't have. He always works with what we do have. And whatever we do have is more than enough for God to do what only God can do when the circumstances hit us and knock us down. They do not take us out and we get back up. Esther is the only book of the Bible, context, thinking about this. When you read the book of Esther, this will hopefully inspire you in a a unique perspective because this has been a real discussion among theologians, by the way. Esther is the only book of the Bible that never mentions God. He's curiously absent from the text of Scripture in this entire book. But the reality is he was never absent in the midst of arranging all of the details, all of the circumstances, all of the divine appointments that needed to take place for this orphan who lost her parents to be drawn into the family, for Mordecai uh, to take her in. And I saw, I'm not sure, maybe uh, Jason Baffer in the next service works with um, foster care and so forth on our behalf, but uh, he can tell us is this National Orphan Sunday. Uh, It's a great expression of that as, as Mordecai took... Um, Esther in, and Esther then would 
find divine appointment, divine connection, divine favor. Let me just announce today you have divine appointments, divine favor, and divine connections that are aligned for your life. Let me just say that to you today. God's not finished with no matter what your circumstances have been. He's able to set it up and bring divine appointments and divine connections and produce divine favor in your life for good things to come about. I just, as I'm saying it, I just declared over you, Josh and Andrea, I just feel compelled to declare their divine appointments and divine connections and divine favor that's upon your life. And, and we all know who know your circumstance. What you're doing is not your legacy and call for long-term in life. And, and God's not given up on the dream. He's not forgotten the things that he's established and deposited in you and their divine appointments. We call forth as a family over you now, divine appointments, divine connections, and divine favor from God Almighty in Jesus' mighty name. You and your household. We're all kind of mad at you for having the cutest kids in the whole church, but we love you. Some mamas say, speak for yourself. (laughs) It's amazing how God sets this up. And you know, for me, what I've learned, uh, like when God's trying to take me into a new season, isn't it true for you? It's like he introduces me to a new relationship. It's, it's unique. How many of you in the room actually are married to somebody that a friend in, introduced you to? Just raise your hand. Like a relationship connection brought that about. How many of you ever had a job that you took because of a friend that suggested or in, you know, invited you to that position? I mean, it is amazing. These relationships are like God's networking to bring about his will and his plans and his purposes. And so I just want to encourage you. Treat people with kindness, dignity, and respect as if they are a part of your destiny because they are a part of your destiny. I mean, it's amazing. But like people around you are the very connections God wants to use to get you from where you are to where he wants you to go. And a lot of times, guys, we just burn bridges. We like to talk about holiness in the church, but we lost sight of kindness. And I believe God's restoring kindness without losing sight of holiness. We can have both. We can be the people God's called us to be in a loving, compassionate, kind, considerate way. So, you know, Esther's not mentioned, she's, but she's not absent. God's setting up these divine appointments. And here's your next blank in your card. Write this in. Sometimes it's just one connection that takes you to the next dimension. It literally is just one. I mean, some of us are just one friendship connection, conversation connection away from the bigger expression of the dream that God has in store for our lives. But we have to focus on what is left and not focus on what is lost. Anybody here ready for the next level? Can we just take a vote? Yes and amen, we're ready for the next level. We want to go to the next level. God, what is the next level? What is the next thing that we have for my life, personally, your life? What is that? But let's also understand as we celebrate with anticipation, God has some things in store that we've not yet thought. I mean, I have not seen, ears not heard, the things God has prepared and has in place and has in motion and has not been injured. And the dream might look like it died, but it didn't die. Joseph shows us the dream never dies. 
You might go into prison. You might be lied about. You might be forgotten about. But when you come up out of that mess, it's like the dream never stopped. And you just come up to the fulfillment of what it is God's doing in your life. You can, you can kill God's dream. You can crucify it on a cross. You can seal it in a tomb. But in three days, if it's from God, it's coming back to life. I want to say the dreams of God are alive and well and coming about in our lives. But Esther shows us something. As we celebrate next level, as we celebrate where we're going, let's not forget, Esther shows us how new levels of opportunity come with new levels of responsibility. Let's say that out loud. New levels of opportunity come with new levels of responsibility. And we see in Esther 4.14 where Mordecai comes to her and says there's a, a decree that's been issued and now all of God's people are subject to death, subject to persecution. And this is what he says. Esther, who knows whether you've not attained royalty for such a time as this? Who knows if you have not attained the position that you have attained for such a time as this. Who knows if you have not been given and entrusted the relationships that have been entrusted to your care for such a time as this. I'm not talking about Esther. I'm talking about you. What is it that's been entrusted to your care? What position and what possessions have been entrusted to your care for such a time as this? God's not scratching his head. Jesus isn't smacking his side of his head saying, oh, oh me, what is going on in the world? That's not what God does, okay? We say, oh God, God says, oh me. No, God doesn't do any of that. He's like, we're just orchestrating and planning this and getting us positioned for all the things that he has in store, and his plans are very good plans, but we must be willing to surrender to whatever that looks like in our everyday lives. The positions and possessions that God's entrusted to our care we are to use to further the cause of Christ. The positions and the possessions. I've learned that there are four types of people in every situation. You want to know what those four types of people are? Those four people, here, here are their names. Anybody, somebody, everybody, and nobody. Those are the four people in every situation, no matter what situation it is. And this is kind of the way most situation goes. Something needs to be done, and everybody knows that anybody can do it. And surely, since anybody can do it, somebody will. But nobody does, and everybody thinks somebody else is on it. And in the end, everybody blames somebody when nobody does what anybody could have done. Those are the four people in almost every situation. My question is, who's going to stop making excuses and start making a plan and give God something to work with and say, this is my position, it might cost me something, these are my possessions, it might cost me something, but whatever I have, Lord, this is yours. I'm going to stop waiting for somebody else to take responsibility. That's what Esther did. She decided to do something. And I want you to see very specifically what she did. Esther 4.16. She said, gather together all the Jews and fast for me. Fasting and praying. This, is, this should be a normal part of our Christian lives, by the way. Gather together all the Jews and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. I and my maids will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king even though it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. If it costs me everything, so be it. Here's the great news about, like, if you have to die for the cause of Christ, 
you know, like you're suddenly really alive if that happens. I mean, it's a win-win, isn't it? It's like a, a rigged deal. Uh, and you just can't lose when it comes to your relationship with God. And so what she said is, I'm not just going to rush in it. And let's, let's get this on this day when we're celebrating veterans. Let's understand something here. There's, there's a, a strategy, a, a war strategy that's being revealed. She said, I'm not just going to run in. First, we're going to fast and we're going to pray. And I, I want to invite you as a church family, our elders, we fast and pray on Thursdays, at least a meal. Pick a meal or a focus and let's fast and pray and believe God for his kingdom to come in the earth. That's what, that's what she was doing here. She was launching. Everybody, let's fast and pray. She, what, what's happening, see, there's a spirit realm around us. How many believe in the spirit realm? Everything's born out of the spirit realm. It all became the natural realm, giving birth out of the spirit realm. And so what she said is, first, we're going to take the atmosphere captive. In a sense, we're going to go in and take control of the airspace, like anybody understands in war strategy. First, you have to go in and take control of the airspace. So spiritually, we want to take control of the airspace. And then we want to send the, the troops in on the ground to, after the airspace is taking control. That's what she's doing. She's saying, let's fast and pray, take control of the spiritual atmosphere, and then I'll walk into the room with the king. And let me just say, favor increases when we fast and pray. Favor increases, divine appointments, divine... I mean, all those things unfold in a unique and powerful way when we give ourselves to the purposes of God. I just, I mean, it, it really is expensive to be effective. It costs what it costs. It never goes on sale. It is expensive to be effective. We have to be willing to pay the price to do the things God's asked us to do. I, you know, we have to face our fears to fulfill our destiny. And I think it's really unique. I, I was reading an article recently and it said, the Bible actually says, do not fear, be not afraid, statements about conquering your own personal fears 365 times, Genesis to Revelation. You know, I just don't think that anything in Scripture happens by chance. I, I believe personally God doesn't want a single day of our lives to be dominated by fear, so he gave a do not fear verse for every single day of 365 days in a year. I just want to say fear not, men and women of God. Rise up and be who God's called you to be. Fulfill your destiny and let the dreams of God prevail in our hearts and lives. So revelation of, of Esther is all about restoration. Nehemiah, it was all about restoration. It's all about God restoring. <clears throat> and today, I want us to really bring that focus personally. I want us to bring that focus in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our families, in our finances, in our community, for our nation. Yes, even for nations of the world. God's got a plan, and he loves the world. A lot of churches miss this. God loves the world. We don't want to teach people to hate the world. We want to love the world the way God loves the world. For God so loved the world that he commissioned his son out of positions and possessions to be spent and invested and given so that people would drawn and be drawn into his love. I, I believe it's no accident that you are here today. I just want to say that to each one of you. Please hear this individually. It is no accident that you are here today. God just wants you to say yes and if you'll say yes to whatever it is he wants to do, whatever he desires to accomplish, then I believe he'll do something unique and purposeful in every single one of our lives. So Lord, I thank you for just a focus of the restoring power of God, the restoring hand of God. 
that is so uniquely individual to each of us. No two individuals in this room carry the same assignment from heaven. But every single individual in this room has an assignment from God. Forgive us where we've been distracted from that. Help us, Lord, to be awakened on a greater level to the purposes of God. In Jesus' mighty name. If you're here today and you say, you know, I'm, I know I'm distracted from God's desires and I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Christ, then I want to pray for you very specifically that you would just simply come to the cross of Christ Acknowledge your need for Him and let Him awaken you to His purposes as you receive Him as your Savior. That we might walk forward according to His plans. If that's you, you say, I, I just know I'm distracted from the purposes of God. I'm not right with God. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you today. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Just quickly. Let's all pray this prayer out loud. Everybody in the room say this with me if you would, just as a declaration of the Lordship of Christ in each one of our hearts and on behalf of those that lifted their hands specifically, say out loud with me, Lord Jesus, you're the giver of life. You came, you lived, you died, but you rose from the grave. You are alive. It's your life in me as my personal Savior that will transform my life and will impact my world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now, I want us to celebrate Jesus together, but I want us to do it with this in mind. All of our positions, all of our possessions, whatever it is that God's entrusted to our care, put your hands like this. Lord, we just give them to you. Whatever God desires to do, like let's really meaningfully express this just out of our hearts, Lord. Everything that is in our position and all things uh, in our possession and all possible positions that you entrust this day forward will belong to you. We honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Now take those hands and let's give him praise and declaration of his lordship. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Your faithfulness, oh God. Your faithfulness.